Hi, everyone. This is Denise Brown, your host of Your Caregiving Journey, a talk show that helps you as you hands. It is Monday, March 25th. It's 11 a.m. Central Time, and we're live out of Chicago. Thanks so much for joining us today. In just a few moments, one of our Caregiving Visionary Award winners will join us. Sean Moore cares for her husband, and she also cares for family caregivers through her nonprofit. She organizes restorative weekends to help family caregivers feel refreshed and to build their resilience. And Sean is going to talk to us about her nonprofit in just a few moments. A couple quick updates for you. Our voting for our Family Caregiver of the Year Award contest ends March 26th at midnight Eastern time. So if you have a chance, read about our nominees and then cast your vote for three of the nominees. We ultimately pick five Family Caregivers of the Year. And those five family caregivers then are profiled on caregiving.com and then join us at our National Caregiving Conference in November in Chicago. You're going to love reading about our nominees this year. It always feels like such an honor to be able to share their stories. And the purpose of our award is to help us feel like, oh my, oh my gosh, it is possible to have a life during a life of caregiving. And our nominees really share how they do that. We can sometimes feel overwhelmed by the drudgery and the tasks and the worries, and it can feel like there's just not enough room in our day for ourselves. And the nominees remind us that it's possible takes concerted effort, and we can do it. So thank you for the time, for taking the time to read the nominees and for casting your vote. And then a week from Monday, we're going to start our five-day stress share. So as you know, I've been tracking family caregiver stress for just about the past three years. And as a way to talk about stress, I do a five-day stress share. I used to be great about doing it once a month. And the National Caregiving Conference does take a lot of my time up, so I kind of got a little derailed on doing it, but I want to get back because what stresses you out one day may not be what stresses you out the next day. And it's so important that we create awareness around what it is that stresses us out. And I also think it's helpful to talk about the stress with others so that you don't feel like it's just you, that you're not the only one going through something that's difficult and challenging. So our five-day stress share starts next Monday. And every day for five days, I ask you to write out what your stress is in our comments section. And you can go to caregiving.com later this week to learn more about our five-day stress share. And you can go there right now to read about our nominees for the Family Caregiver of the Year Award. Okay, and those are the updates for you. So I'm delighted to introduce you to Sean Moore this morning. She's one of our Caregiving Visionary Award winners. She cares for her husband, and she also launched a nonprofit that helps family caregivers through restorative weekends. Sean, good morning. Thank you so much for being with us today. Good morning, Denise and everyone. Thank you so much for having me. So you care for your husband, who's one of our wounded warriors. Although, as I say that, I'm wondering, how do you feel about that term? How do you typically refer to your husband and his military service? You are exactly on target. That is what we use a lot, wounded warrior. Okay, wounded warrior. You married in 2015. You met in 2013. And tell us what it's been like for you as his family caregiver. 
it has been a blessing. It has been traumatic at times. It has been a learning experience. Although in the end, it is the best blessing that I could have for myself and my four girls. When you nominated yourself for our Visionary Award, you were very honest in your nominating letter. And you shared a day that happened in 2017 that was pivotal in a way that we hope it never happens to anybody else. So you were a police officer, you got a call, you knew it was bad. Instinctively, you knew there was really something horrible that happened. And sure enough, you went home and you saw that your husband had tried to commit suicide. You were able to revive him and he's recovered. But that was a really significant, obviously, day and a turning point for you. What happened afterward for you? Definitely. It was a day that I still have a tough time with. I believe the aftermath of a traumatic event like that does not go away. We have to find our own way of managing and coping with those feelings that we have. And for me, that started with staying home for about two and a half months because I was very fearful of leaving leaving him. I didn't want him to go anywhere. I didn't want to go anywhere in hopes that control that I was trying to take back would make it easier for us. But at the same time, it did not make it easier for us. And that's actually, I think, one of the biggest and toughest challenges during caregiving. Recognizing that you can't prevent everything. And we want to stay in the house because we believe if we stay in, we can prevent everything. And yet that stops so much. Yeah, it stops so much for us. How did you move out of that, oh, my gosh, I've got to stay home, and into, oh, my gosh, I think it's okay to go out? How did you get into that shift in perspective? There were some great things in place for me before that. I had signed up to finish my bachelor's degree. I had one more year left, and was very gung-ho to get that done. I wanted to show my kids that it didn't matter how old you were. You could always get your education, but it's a lot easier when you're younger. Um, So I went ahead and started school. In fact, my school started five days after his attempt, and that was really my saving grace. Although it was online, it still kept me doing something for myself. And I think that propelled me forward to be able to say, okay, enough is enough. Two and a half months is long enough. You cannot keep him chained to home and you can't keep chained to home. You have to live your life as well. And what we did is just put some safety mechanisms mechanisms in place. He was very 
my husband worked really well with my fears and, and understood those. So our safety mechanisms were, you know, make sure you text me if you're going to leave. And he would text me. He would let me know where he was going. He would let me know he was okay or if he wasn't okay. And that that gradually made things our new normal, although it's it really is a struggle. Um, I'm not going to lie, and that's kind of why I wanted to write that piece. I believe when we can use our story and show others that, yeah, we go through some really difficult times, and it's okay to share it. You need to share it. Sharing it is your way of coming to terms with what happened. And it also gives others the permission to share what they have gone through. You can't keep those things to yourself. And I think we have a tendency to blame ourselves, which is why we keep it to ourselves. We we judge ourselves that we should have been in tune what was with what was going on, we should have known, we should have been able to prevent. And it's so hard to live with a situation that's out of control, and that's caregiving, and come to terms with what we can control and what we can't control. How do you figure out what's within your control, and then how do you let go of what's out of your control? That day showed me a lot. For one, a couple times prior to that day, I knew he had been suicidal and I asked him and he told me yes and we would, you know, go to the hospital. And on that particular day, I knew in my heart later on that night when I finally made it home and I was here with my little one and we were going to bed that there was nothing that I missed. And I think in my heart and in my, in my mind, I knew that I didn't miss anything because I felt like I educated myself enough to know that I know the warning signs. I know what to say. I know what to do. And sometimes we just can't control all that stuff. He happened to be out and about that day and had a horrible trigger. We can't be with them all the time and control every little thing they're going through. So looking back at how that entire day and even, you know, days before that and leading up to it, there was no missing anything. It just it just happened. And those things are going to happen. So when I go back and try to, you know, take control of things, I suffer. My mental health suffers. I'm not doing the things that I want to do. I sure can't take care of him because I'm over controlling the situation. And and I know as as caregivers and then add on the on top of being a female, that's that's what we try to do with things. But 
I look back on my life and realize the times that I let go of that control were times that were going the best. Yeah, I we take on this responsibility of caregiving and we make an assumption that it's up to us to keep our caries alive regardless, no matter what, at all costs. And it's a hard shift to get to, okay, I'm going to do what I can and I'm going to recognize that it's not all up to me, that there's there are situations and powers beyond my control. So I'm going to be fully present and do my best. And I'm going to recognize that I'm human and I can only do what's humanly possible. And if I do too much, I take out of my own life what's possible for me. Most definitely. And not only, you know, I don't think we see it at times, but that control takes away from us as well as taking away from other members of our family. And you're not allowing the person you're caring for to do those things that maybe they can do. Maybe we are taking too much away from them. And we need to make sure we're, we are seeing if that is something that they can do. He doesn't need me at every single appointment. He needs to be able to do that on his own. So even if it may be something little that they can do for themselves, we have to let that happen, not only for ourselves, but for them. A lot of the things that they used to do has been taken away from them. We don't want to control and take away everything for them. Yes. Absolutely. You and your husband have six children together. Your youngest is eight. You're in school. You're helping him. You have a full life. You've got a platter that's overflowing. And yet, it's still important to you to create a nonprofit that supports family caregivers. Why is that so important that you add that into your life and your day? As you sat there and um, said that, I, I kind of got a tear in my eye because the the thing that that brings me back to is feeling so incredibly alone when him and I first met and realizing that I couldn't take everything away that he was experiencing and because I didn't have the knowledge and the education I really couldn't help him at all and I I don't want that for anyone else I don't want I don't want people to feel alone and I want them to realize that there are there are places for them to go they're not the only one going through things but but they have to reach out and and I believe also it's our job to reach them because at times if you're in a really big crisis, that's one of the hardest things to do is to reach out. So I face to find those caregivers and let them know that they are not the only one. And the key, I believe, to getting through this journey 
is educating yourself as much as you possibly can by listening to these podcasts, getting on caregiving.com, looking at all the information that is out there, coming to a support group, get involved with other caregivers. That's even if you have to do it online, through a blog, whatever it is, you have to find your your tribe so that you're not doing this in a vacuum. It does not work if you do it in a vacuum. Yeah, and I think when you're alone in the vacuum, it is so hard to feel like there's possibilities and opportunities in your life. And that feels hopeless. And it's so important that you keep hope. And I I completely agree with you that it's that connection with others who are in a similar situation that gives you hope. So tell us about your nonprofit and, and what your mission is. So our mission at Caregivers on the Homefront is to bring hope and give the caregiver resilience to make them see that they do have that or help them see, not make them see it. Help them see that they are strong and they are resilient and there is hope. Even if some days that may just be a glimmer and then other days it's the full sun, we can bring that to other caregivers. Our signature program, I would say, is our restorative weekends. And we call it restorative weekend instead of retreat because we hope to restore you from the inside out. We are tired, we're stressed, caregiver burden is real, secondary traumatic stress is real. So what we do at our restorative weekend is really work on the mental health and wellness of the caregiver. And that's by bringing either workshops, it's an entire weekend, but we have tiny workshops throughout that entire weekend where either my program director, Rachel, and I will give the class only if we've been trained in it, or we bring professionals in whatever area we're talking about in to give a class. So it's not about a weekend that you get away from your loved one and you may, it's not a party weekend. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a hard weekend because in my heart, what I have seen is our loved ones that we're caring for may, you know, they get help for physical and mental wounds by going to therapy, by going to the doctor, by going to a group, but the caregiver doesn't get that. And if the caregiver is not taking care of their mental health, their mental health to crash and burn on sometimes what is a really long journey, especially in the the military and veteran caregiver life. I met a caregiver in her 20s last week. 20s. She's going to be caring for her loved one for a really long time. And to sustain that journey, it's not just about going and get your getting your nails done or getting a massage, it is working on your mental health. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think self-care during caregiving is different. It's not about how often we can get to go to a massage because sometimes that's not possible, but it's really how do we have the emotional wherewithal to find possibilities and hope during the day, to not give up, to not say I've got to stop my life. And that's hard. That's hard. Sometimes I think the, the enemy during caregiving is ourselves because yeah. <laughs> we just battle with our own thoughts. And we are trying to make sense out of a situation that oftentimes doesn't make sense. And that's why it's so helpful to be in a group where it's others who are battling those same thoughts and can talk it out with you and say, oh, my gosh, we've got to give ourselves a break. We've got to figure out how to get back on track. We can have a life during a life of caregiving. We can do it. Something that strikes me, Sean, about your story, your husband has, I'm I'm making some assumptions here, but it sounds like your husband has changed you in many ways. So he brought love into your life. There's nothing like love. And then because of your experience caring for him, I'm wondering if that inspired you to change your career. Most definitely. I, um, this journey has been a true, true blessing for me through, you know, several impatient stays and then the, you know, the horrible day. It, it is still a huge blessing. Um, this man has given myself and my girls so much. I was single for 12 years and you know, did it alone for a long time. And he brought, he brought love into my life. Our dates were at church and I needed that in my life again. I had lost that for a while. Um, My faith plays a huge part in this caregiving role. And it's so nice to have that back. And then my job as a police officer, I truly believe looking back, I never once said growing up, oh, I want to be a police officer. I did not go to the academy until I was 35. And I believe that the Lord put me in that spot because I thought, I'm like, there's no way I can do this. I am 35. I'm a smaller and then female to boot. And then I had never shot a weapon. I had never been in a physical fight my whole entire life. But I thought at the time um, I needed it to support my girls. But looking back, I truly believe that the Lord put me in that spot so that on that faithful August 9th, 2017 day, I would be able to be in a spot that knew that I knew something was terribly wrong with my husband and to go with that gut feeling because a lot of police work is gut feeling. And then be able to put that hat on as a police officer and do what needed to be done that day. So with that, I've, you know, since then I'm like, okay, what did I have that was able to get to my husband and get through that day that some people don't have? I I always am trying to come up with where are we lacking Um, with caring for the family caregiver and I truly believe it's education and and the knowledge to handle those really trying situations we and and that's become my passion 
I want the family caregiver to have all the knowledge that they possibly need in case or when, not if, when something happens that's going to cause, to, to cause them to need all of the knowledge and strength that they have to get through that day, whether their loved one ends up in the hospital because they fell or anything like that. We need to give them that education. And it is a passion of mine to give that to them as well as to make the general population that doesn't care give know what is going on behind wounded warrior or a loved one that needs a caregiver because it's not all smiles and we need support. Yeah, I, I have a, a mantra, which is every worry needs a plan. And people will say, oh, but 90% of what you worry about doesn't happen. It's just different in caregiving because something that you worry about has already happened. <laughs> so the reality yeah. is your worries do sometimes happen. And I yeah. think we just have to be prepared and plan. And it gives yeah. us a little bit of peace of mind. And it feels like, okay, I've put some controls in place. This is a worry that I have. This is a plan that I have around it. And I think otherwise exactly. you go through, you go through it feeling like it's just chaos. And I, the reality is we're waiting for the other shoe to drop. We don't know when, we don't know where, we don't know how, and we don't know why. But we know there's another shoe. The reality is that's going to happen. So let's think about what we can do to plan and prepare. I love that. Yeah. So as you think about, as you think about what's next for you, what is next? What do you want to happen next? Right now... One of the things that outside of our restorative weekends that I have been focusing on in my space of being a caregiver for a veteran as well as a former police officer, I see suicide every day. Mm -hmm. And we are missing something in finding how to prevent this. So our next step as an organization is doing an evidence-based training called QPR gatekeeper training. And to me, that's really a simple one and a half, two hour workshop that may provide to someone the skills Courage, courage is huge to ask and how to ask. And then if you get the answer of, well, yes, I am feeling like killing myself today, not freak out and not know what to do, but you know what to do. I believe that, like I said, education is key. And if we can educate those that are around these loved ones, 24-7, they know them the best. They know them the best. So it's up to us to educate those who know that loved one the best and give them the tools that in case one day they need them, they will have them. 
Yeah, absolutely. No more rose-colored glasses. Let's no. not feel like we have to protect, like we have to protect someone by not having a conversation. And what I mean by that is the family caregiver, right? Not protect the yeah. family caregiver by saying, "Oh, you don't have to worry about that." Let's educate. Let's educate. Education never harms. It never harms. So why not just educate? And if that door is open to the conversation, you never know what you'll allow a family caregiver to say honestly about their situation. Yes. You have to make that okay. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Sean, this was great. I can't tell you how much I appreciate connecting with you today and how excited I am to meet you at our National Caregiving Conference. It's going to be great. So for our listeners, I just want to let you know that Sean and our other Caregiving Visionary Award winners will be at our National Caregiving Conference in November. You'll be able to connect, connect with her and share with her and really learn from her. And that's the whole purpose of what we do. That's why we do it. Sean, for our listeners who'd like to be in touch with you right now, what's your website address? Our website is www.caregivers-homefront.org. And Homefront is all one word. Okay, nice and easy. Thank you so much, Sean. This was just fantastic. Thank you. I really appreciate being on here and learning from you as well. And thanks, everybody, so much for listening. I'm Denise Brown. Be sure to stop by caregiving.com. Let us know how you're doing because we truly do love to know. Take care. Bye-bye.